0: What's up, guys? Welcome to episode thirty-five of Convos on the Pedicab. I'm here with a very special guest: um, Professor, Navy Diver, um, Archaeologist, archaeologist um, Green, builder. Green Builder, City Council Candidate, Director of what is the Montopolis Community, Community, Development Community Development Corporation, uh, Intellectual Dynamo, Fred mcgee before we get started though we got to give a quick shout out to our sponsor 10th planet austin 10 p-a-t-x get woke and improve your jujitsu at the same time you know we have a uh, there's a lot of civil unrest going up around right now um There's no better time than now to learn how to intelligently defend yourself. We have a phenomenal jiu-jitsu program taught by the number 5th ranked grappler in the world, Kyle Baim, as well as the number 6th ranked grappler at uh, 135, Gabe Tuttle. Uh, We have a great MMA and kickboxing program taught by former UFC fighter Andrew Craig, uh, jiu-jitsu black belt and pro fighter Cody Hofstadter, and seasoned Muay Thai pro, Chantal Perry. We also have a great strength and conditioning program taught by Isik the Viking Ninja. So if you're in Southeast Austin or if you're in the Austin area in general and you wanna learn an essential skill both on the mats and in the streets, come to 10th Planet Austin, 10PATX on both Twitter and Instagram. Anyway, Fred, thank you so much for uh, joining me.
1: It's good to be in your pedicab, man.
0: Uh, How how you doing? (laughs) I'm doing great, it's been a while. So, I don't know if you guys are really aware of this, but Fred is probably one of the one of the smartest, uh, most well-educated people in the entire city of Austin. And, and I, I would even go so, so far to say he's probably one of the smartest people and, and most informed people that you've never heard of. So, I, I wanted to get you on the cab so you can, like, shed some light about a lot of the crazy shit that's been going on. And clear up some misinfo and disinfo and all of that stuff. You know, I, I, like, um, a lot of tech companies are um, silencing people for spreading whatever, misinformation or, you know, they're silencing a narrative that they don't necessarily want to hear. And I, you know, Joe Rogan said this and I'm going to repeat it. And I think that the best way to um, correct misinformation is not by silencing it, but by truth talk and explaining what's happening. And that's why I wanted to have you on so we can explain a lot of what's going on and put certain things in perspective, you know?
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm cool. Um. So anyway, how did you get, started in politics and how did you how did all this stuff happen for you before like just a segue into all this?
1: Well, that's a long story. Right. Um <clears throat> um without sort of revealing too much about myself. I uh, first came to Austin in nineteen ninety three when I was still in the Navy. Uh when I was a special operations officer, US Navy diver, eleven forty designator. Um but I was stationed in South Texas when Naval Station Ingleside was still open. So I stayed at Bergstrom Air Force Base in the BOQ, uh, but I had to go down there for a couple of years. And then in 95, after I finished my service, I started graduate school at UT Austin uh, to become a maritime archaeologist and uh, did that. You know, uh, UT wasn't known for its underwater archaeology program, but I had the underwater piece covered. All right. I didn't I didn't need. Diving skills, Uh, you know, I wanted to get some archaeological skills Uh, What politicized me was in 1996 um, I became involved in Houston at a public housing project called Allen Parkway Village Because during the demolition of that housing project um, And the construction of the new units similar to what's been happening in Austin of late They uncovered a cemetery what a cemetery that people told them was there and they denied existed
0: so wait they built a cemetery they built a housing project over a cemetery
1: oh yeah oh yeah this is (laughs) this is not unusual we've (laughs) since learned that that is actually quite common remember public housing was constructed primarily to segregate african-americans okay so these, were, these housing projects were built in locations in cities around the United States that were not considered high-dollar real estate. They were places that ruling whites deemed as suitable for black people to live, primarily because the real estate valuations were so low, meaning the land was cheap. The land was yeah. cheap to buy. Let's build it, put a bunch of blacks in it. So, you know, this is true of Iberville in uh in New Orleans, there's a housing project in Tampa where this applied. Houston wasn't alone. So, this was a thorny and interesting issue for archaeology. And I wanted to involve myself because I have a personal public housing background. As a young boy in Germany, I lived in public housing in Enfield, Connecticut, where I eventually migrated to as an immigrant. I lived in some Section 8 housing. Uh, So it was an issue that had of uh, a particular interest to me, you know, as part of uh, also a general conception of growing up poor on the downside of Advantage. I wanted to do something that was meaningful and helpful, but that would also, you know, work within my graduate program at the time. Uh, And it was through that advocacy, working with the resident council at Allen Parkway Village, I contacted both the archaeological firm that the housing authority had contracted to dig up these burials. But then, because I had also worked for the Austin <coughs> Housing Authority earlier that year, I knew to contact the resident council of that housing project and speak with its president, Lenwood Johnson. Okay. And I eventually placed myself uh, in his and their service, Lenwood Johnson, Wessie Cyrus, and others. Uh, and it, it became a very... Uh, um, personally fulfilling thing to do this in collaboration with these people uh and that's really what got I think the bug started I'm not a political quote-unquote person uh you know I was in graduate school more or less at the time to get a PhD to embark on a a career in academia and to do research and teach
0: yeah because yeah and and I think I'm, I'm in the same boat as you like I wound up getting involved kind of accidentally
1: yeah
0: um and I wouldn't have even ran for city council if our city wasn't colossally fucking things up with this whole pandemic. And if I didn't feel as though like my livelihood was being directly threatened by what everybody was doing. Um, So I understand that completely. Like, and I think that ultimately you want politicians who
1: don't want to be politicians. Well, electoral politics is a different beast. There's a lot of ways to be political. You know, I eventually ran for the city council because I felt I had something to offer. Yeah, I wanted to place myself, you know, and I am European and, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways and in, in places such as the United Kingdom and in other parliamentary systems, you stand here in the U.S. We run and there is a difference. What do you mean?
0: You know? Oh, you were OK. You're OK. Yeah. Like running for office. Right.
1: And- you know, in the UK, it's famous to say I'm standing for election, you know, to oh. a parliamentary seat from place X. OK. In the United States, we have elections that last forever, especially the higher you go. They're tremendously expensive. Uh, there's a, you know, just a, a really annoying role played by the media and other gatekeepers. So in the U.S., there's a different tradition of running for office and uh, actually going out there and having to hustle for it. Um, you know, and that that's kind of been a downfall for me because hustling in our system means asking rich people for money, by yeah. and large. Or the alternative, trying to organize people who you would like to think you would represent. Yeah. And that's also a challenge.
0: So it's like you're either asking rich people for lots of money, or like a small group of rich people for lots of money, or you're asking a ton of poor people for money and that you don't even know that they could afford to give you.
1: That's right. It's, uh, it's a rigged system. But I wanted, you know, you know, it's one of those bucket list things. I ran three times. Mm-hmm. I ran first for the school board in 2007, lost to Sam Guzman, who eventually got the District 2 seat. He was eventually replaced by Jamie Mathias on the Austin school board. I, I know who that guy is. Yeah, he's the gay dude, right? Uh, the the the, yeah. the the gay former priest. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. who stepped down and has now been replaced by, Ophelia Zapata, who I also know. Okay. Uh, because we worked, uh, I worked as a volunteer for Austin Interfaith at San Jose Church in the late 1990s when she and her son were working with Austin Interfaith. So, and I, 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 there's more to that story, but okay. I'm not going to relate yeah. it here. But so, but I know who she is, and she know, hopefully she hasn't forgotten me. Uh, and then I ran for the ACC board in 2010. I was an adjunct professor at ACC at the time. Um, but you know, I was a Democratic Party operative as, as well. You know, I was uh, president of Black Austin Democrats, and you were a pre- precinct chair, helped Obama get elected, worked very hard to do that. Uh, so you know, I was somebody who was you know in the electoral sense involved. But, uh, you know, I am now very much a reformed ex-politician in the electoral sense, and I focus uh, my energies mostly on community service. And my service is mostly focused on uh, Montopolis, where I live and work, and East Austin more generally.
0: Yeah, and there was some like, weird zoning stuff, right, that happened to you. I, I didn't really know too much about it. But there was a certain area that was—they were trying to like zone in a certain way—and you were really opposed to it. And then like you had like Austin Sanders and all these like hacks at the Chronicle <laughs> that were like uh, <laughs> uh, <and laughs> accusing you the- of like NIMBYism <laughs> or something. These guys are clowns. Yeah. They, they don't want you
1: know. <laughs> the fact that you reached out yeah. to me, and they won't, says it all. Yeah. They don't want to talk to me because they have—they have, they have <laughs> their religion. They have their false god that they worship. Who's the false god? It's uh, new urbanism. You know, it's kind of like the Scientology of out-of-work tech workers, and, you, know, and, 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 <laughs> and, you know, and mediocre journalists. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny. You know, it's, they claim to be actually engaging in an anti-racist politics, which is even more funny.
0: Because everything that they're doing is pushing black people out of their neighborhoods. It's, an anti- yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it's, it's, <laughs> it's anti-racist racism, okay? They can't actually bear somebody like me. Who's been at this shit for 25 years, correcting every single thing that they were taught? Okay, they they can't. You know, and I'm not just a guy who uh, knows this shit from books. I live this shit. You know, yeah. I've I've lived it. I've experienced it. You know, I'm the guy. I'm you know I'm somebody who's in there deep in the woods, and uh, so you know, I usually if we get into a beef on uh, social media or something, which doesn't really happen much anymore. Um, I'm just like, look, let's meet, let's talk, and not and, and not once, not one time, not one time, not one time does anybody want to talk Never to. met Austin Sanders for a while there. Uh, what was that dude's name? I can't. Michael remember. King. No,
0: that I, guy blocked me on Twitter.
1: Oh, I know Michael King. I know my, you know, but what was the other guy? The guy with the black hair. Ah, I can't remember his name, right now. He
0: was like vocal for a while. He has a blog. Hey, did you ever watch? Uh, do you watch Cobra Kai at all on YouTube? You know, I started watching the first episode. Oh, do you know Dimitri on Cobra Kai? No. Like Hawks, like nerdy friend. Dimitri. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's Austin Sanders. Really? Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like that is like who oh. Austin, like <laughs> that, that is like. <laughs> that's, that's,
1: that's quite funny, you know. But, yeah, you know, zoning politics are the bread and butter of municipal politics. And, uh, you know, I've been working hard to defend my community from speculative real estate development which in our system is supposed to be understood as a good thing. These out-of-town, out-of-our-neighborhood people think, that, you know, that they're bringing something that is in our interest to our community. No,
0: they don't. They just and, uh, uh,
1: and when we challenge them, well, they become perturbed.
0: You know, Fred, I'm, I'm going to um, say that I actually don't think that they are doing anything in your best interest. No. They just like to say certain progressive policies – and they use identity politics and fake social justice in order to push an agenda that's going to make them money.
1: More or less. More or less. I mean, you know, there's details and nuance, you know, when you actually get into the weeds of these kinds of things. You know, you start talking about the ins and outs of what zoning politics entails. But more or less, that is what they're saying. You know, they're, this city has institutionalized this neoliberal philosophy that we must build maximum number of units and then we will use an economic concept called value capture to try to get some affordability okay the problem is is that the communities never actually get a seat at the table we don't get to bargain based upon the fact that we're the ones who live in these neighborhoods in the first place and i mean this is completely based on the fact that we are politically, relatively speaking, disempowered. Yeah. I mean, do these developers go to Northwest Hills or to Pemberton Heights and peddle, you know, three-acre multifamily projects that will produce 300-plus mm. units? Well, but, there's,
0: but, they're, but they're doing the homeless. But, like, the way you're feeling right now is the way, like, a lot of people in those neighborhoods are starting to feel about the homeless stuff.
1: Well, the homeless aren't in their communities.
0: No, but there's a lot of, like, a lot of the homeless backlash I've noticed from being on certain forums and talking to certain people, is from people in those areas.
1: Well, you know, there is an element of elitism there. You know, these people are not confronted, you know, on a 24-hour basis with homelessness. In Montopolis, we've always dealt with homelessness. Okay, we have a, a disproportionate share of homeless people in our community, for all kinds of reasons. You know, we've we were for a long time uh, the place of last resort for many homeless people. Remember, our community is known as Poverty Island. We're the poorest part of the city, so homelessness for us isn't some You know, it isn't one of those things you see them on your drive to work or whatever. We we have them 24/7 in our community. You know, they are there all the time. I think for them, it's a different uh, it's a different thing because you know, at three in the morning, they're not confronted with a homeless camp of 50 people. smack dab in the middle of their community okay as opposed to us who are you know Uh, but we recognize the essential humanity of the homeless you know for instance um, at the Burdett's Prairie Cemetery which is a cemetery that I manage uh, we've had homeless people staying at our cemetery before okay if you go to that cemetery you'll actually still be able to see evidence of homeless camps that were once there okay Uh, And we told people that, like, look, we're aware that they're there, you know, and we let them know, look, don't disturb anything. okay? Um, And I felt that that was the best uh, compromise uh, as opposed to being hardcore and, you know, calling the police in and other people have called the police without our authorization and without speaking to us because this cemetery actually is private property. Uh, but that gives you some idea. It, 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 you always have to have an ear on the ground about how people actually <laughs> perceive and, and act. So my take on uh, homelessness is that I
0: think that the city – With with what the city did, I think that they're kind of enabling vagrancy, and there is probably some kind of financial motive for how they're enabling vagrancy by just letting it by letting this be like a camping free for all. But I also don't think you should like criminalize homeless people, and there should be certain areas where it's like cool for homeless people to camp. And I think a cemetery is probably one of those areas where it's not going to be too bad, like in terms of the environment. Um, You're not going to like you're not going to see homeless people harassing like tourists you know um while they're in like a big commercial district like a cemetery seems like not such a bad place or even like under a bridge doesn't seem like it's that bad cuz it's kind of like um you're letting people you know live their lives but you're not letting something like that potentially like mess with the environment or interfere with other people living their
1: lives does that make sense well when you're homeless you go where you can you go yeah okay and that means where there's you know where you're not under threat of being removed by the police yeah. But I think or a cemetery, harassed by private I think private a cemetery security.
0: wouldn't be a problem. Like, I, I feel like letting people camp like on or near a cemetery seems like it's pretty yeah. a fair. It seems like a pretty fair middle ground to go to like a cemetery. No. You, you don't w- think so? No.
1: You want people in a home. okay? I believe housing is a human right, just like health care and education. Okay, We have to be very clear. Our housing crisis in this city is not an accident. It was created it was created primarily by our city council starting in the late 1990s when they embraced neoliberal policies of the destruction of east austin which is where most of the housing affordability was okay we've documented this i've documented it okay the american community survey the census bureau has talked about has documented we've lost well over a hundred thousand low-income units almost all of which has been have been replaced by bourgeois housing, condos for tech workers, that those people who were living in those homes previously have no reasonable expectation of being able to afford. So we created this. We we ethnically cleansed East oh, Austin. East Austin, yeah. And we got rid of the affordable housing. And then we're wondering why people are homeless and stressed.
0: Well, but And you're also raising the property taxes on um, lower and middle class homeowners in those areas. In addition poor, to yeah, that, yes. Yeah, yes. Um, yes. But then there's also the fact that when you, like, enable urban camping and do stuff like that, you're getting homeless people from other parts of the country and other parts of the state that start flocking to Austin. And you don't want this to be, like, a destination city for that type of stuff. So, like, there's got to be, like, some kind of a ba- – like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's got to be, like, a balance for how to address that, you
1: know? Oh, I, I would not have voted to repeal the ordinance. Okay? Yeah. That was not well thought out. But, you know, it, be, it has become the Achilles heel of the new urbanist mind- mindset, the new urbanist mentality. These people don't think in terms of consequences, okay? Environmental consequences, justice consequences. They they, they, they don't. They only see what the rhetoric that they're surrounded by, uh, which is peddled by the real estate developers seeking the zoning entitlement increases. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and uh, you know, most of them do not have a critical eye. Uh, the the person who represents me, for instance, my city councilor, P.O. <laughs> is you know is lazy, naive, and gullible, which is why he's in that position. Okay? Well, yeah,
0: he's he's uh, he seems like he, he's probably like, a very nice guy to talk to, but yeah, he's just like doesn't really seem no, like he not. thinks he's not.
1: No, he's not. He's not a very intelligent man, and he, he knows that. Okay, uh, without his wife, he'd be lost. She's the one who actually runs the office. She calls herself the first lady of District Three. Really, they're I did not know a, that. They're quite a pair. It's kind of funny, you know, but you know, unfortunately it isn't funny if you're homeless or poor because what he has done is made life miserable for a huge percentage of the people he claims to represent. District three is the poorest city council district out of all 10 districts.
0: What I thought two was up there also. Hmm? I thought two was up there.
1: Two's up there, but not as poor as district three. Yeah. Districts, the poorest city council districts are districts three, four, and two. Okay. Remember, there's a good chunk of district two that's not poor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but district three has peculiar characteristics. Now, these are changing, these characteristics. <laughs> not because we fixed poverty, but because we've kicked out the poor and are replacing <laughs> yeah, them yeah. You know, <laughs> with, with shit like the domain at Riverside. But which PO was, which PO approved of. Of course, because a neoliberal doesn't believe in actually lifting the poor up in spite of the rhetoric. They want to get rid of them so that when you look at shit in a GIS or in a spreadsheet, poverty has decreased. They'll say poverty decreased because they know most people won't ask, well, how did that happen? Well, it's like did you move the poor out, kick them out? Did you cleanse them? Yeah. Or did you move in a bunch of rich people who now skew well, yeah. the Well, so
0: it's also like college athletes. Like Now universities are talking about how their graduation rates have improved, but that's because all the guys are getting general studies degrees.
1: Well, you know, you know? well we have a no-kill shelter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, really? We have a no-kill shelter? I mean, every, anybody with a brain knows these things are laughable, okay? You know, the Municipal League or, you know, various League of Cities, I mean, you know, the, and they get awards for this nonsense. You know, we now live in a world where facts aren't facts, and if reality doesn't comport with the facts, you change the statistics, you know? In other words, what it boils down to is a complete breaking down in systems of accountability, uh, and everybody's doing it. You know, this is not a Democratic or Republican problem. Uh, it's a problem across the board with municipal governance. A lack of accountability. People who come in and are like, I will be accountable. Like, and, and people who are prepared to fall on their sword if things empirically screw Fail. up. Yeah. Like, like,
0: like our, our mayor is not prepared to fall on his sword. None of them are. No, no, He's a neoliberal. No.
1: I mean, look, these people think in terms of uh, better or worse, not good or bad. Everything in their mindset is better or worse. You know, when you have a mentality like that, however, what it does is it doesn't furnish you with a proper moral compass, okay? If there's no such thing ever as success or failure, only better or worse, well, then you just become an engineer. You become an engineer of the public mind and of public policy. Okay, And what happens is when you institutionalize that governance is is that people become easier to manipulate when there's no right or wrong. Well,
0: people also become easier to manipulate when they don't own something.
1: When they don't own something?
0: Yeah, when you don't own something and when, you're, when, you're not, when you don't own anything, when you don't have anything that's yours, you're a lot less likely to be involved in what's going on because you don't have as much skin in the game.
1: Well, there's, there's a degree. I, I would say that's true. I think there's also a great deal of freedom in not having possessions. I don't want to sound like Gandhi here, but uh, not having possessions gives you the ability, especially if you become political, to really start doing some interesting things.
0: Because you don't care.
1: Well, what do you have to lose? Okay? This was a cornerstone of uh, Satragaya, you know, uh, Mahatma Gandhi's, you know, Mohandas Gandhi's approach to political activism is to minimize your uh, possessions. Uh, and to engage in personal conduct that is so exemplary that people when they look at you will literally think you're glowing
0: <laughs> yeah no I, I get that because I, I do feel as though like um, the way I like conduct myself has definitely changed over the past like nine to ten months, and I could just tell in terms of my interactions with other people and the energy I present um, but If you don't own anything, like there's a flaw to that and it's that if you don't own anything, it's hard to relate to a lot of the people that you're trying to talk to because then you're on a different, like you're not as empathetic because you're not going through the same thing.
1: No, I don't think that's true. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with Gandhi on that. You know, we have, we don't have a shortage in America of people not owning shit. We have a small segment of the population over owning so much shit at the expense of everybody else. We have a pizza that has 100 slices. We have one guy who gets 99 slices, and then everybody else fights for that one slice, okay? And that's inequality in a nutshell, and that's the problem, inequality.
0: Well, this pandemic exacerbated it tremendously.
1: Oh, very much so. Um, You know, pandemics reflect the existing state of social economic affairs. So, you know, when we have the next environmental catastrophe, floods and other sorts of things, The same thing will happen, you know, and it's only going to get worse at the present rate unless we uh, stop this accelerating rate of inequality and uh, the proletarianization of the middle class. uh, We're going to be in for some hurt, you know, a lot of the anxiety in the country, I think, is reflective of the fact that people are no longer believing in the American dream. They are, uh, and I speak here as an immigrant. They, uh, they 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 believe, that, and they don't just believe based upon some sort of weird ideology. They think they gotten a, they have they have gotten a raw deal.
0: People have, but at the same time, though, people aren't people haven't been. Our education system is so bad, and the stuff that people teach in the schools, we're not really teaching people how to maximize the opportunity that living in America will present.
1: Well, you know that's, that launches a huge discussion. Um, public education in America it's not as good as it could be. I'm an educator, yeah. okay? Uh, there's a whole range of reasons for why that is. Uh, you know, as a black man, I can tell you that public education has never served black people. Uh, and you have to be an exceptional person to rise above that. And that's unfortunate, it's sad. It's not, you know, but that's part of inequality more generally. The, it, when it comes to education, look and see how rich people educate their children, okay?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I used to sub in AISD. I, I know there's a difference.
1: Well, that's public education. I'm talking about rich people. Like the private schools, yeah. Yeah. Look at what they do in terms of how they educate their children, okay? And then look at what comes out of their mouth when it comes to discussions about public
0: education. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on you because I went I grew up in New York, right? And I had a lot of, like, you know, I went to, like, a charter school and, you know, went to public school before that, right? But I had I had a lot of friends that went to, like— you know, the the Trinities and the Horace Manns and the the elite Ivy League type $40,000 a year private school. Like I had friends who went to those schools. And there's another side of that. And a lot of these parents don't educate their kids at all because they're fucking absent. They're working all the time. The kids are raised by nannies. Some of those kids who go to those private schools are like the dumbest motherfuckers on the planet, Fred.
1: Well, they're privileged.
0: But they're idiots. Like, they are idiots.
1: Well, they don't have to deal with the same consequences that somebody who grows up in a family of lesser means has to deal with. Okay? Uh, I don't want to stereotype because, you know, look, I I finished – I went to public education in in Enfield, Connecticut. And you know, I knew people who went to places like Deerfield Academy. You know, places in Western New England where there's a lot of prep schools that are internationally known and respected. Um, a lot of those, a lot of those kids were cool. You know, yeah. they wore nicer clothes. They didn't have to scrounge for food the way I had to. Uh, they didn't have to deal with my horrible family life. You know, cops and social workers constantly at the house and whatnot. But you know, having As I've grown older, I've grown to appreciate the challenges of growing up with means. I don't want to be the type of class-based warrior, if you want to use that word, who tries to stereotype rich people. I do believe, and I say to their face, I'm coming for your money because ethically you have way too much fucking money, okay? But I don't try to personalize it because if they have enough self-awareness, they're aware that they're relatively privileged and they're seeking, in many cases, opportunities to try to do better, okay? Uh, And you have to give them a meaningful outlet for that. Yeah, Uh, do you you think uh, Bill Gates is one of those people? In his own mind, probably, but you know, when I look at the Gates Foundation, it's still a top-down foundation based upon his definitions of what he thinks will work for the poor, okay? I, I say to people, to funders all the time, I don't want your fucking charity. I want your respect, okay? I represent a poverty, a high poverty community, okay? But I obviously outgrew in many ways my poverty mentality, mainly through my own personal effort, but also because I was able to uh, tap systems of assistance along the way, public ones. Let me make this point. Let me make this point, okay? So when funders come, to our community and are like, we want to help. I'm like, great. Here's how you can help. Now, if they start to steer what we define as what will be in our own best interest and what will most help us in the direction of shit that they want to do, well, they can go take a hike because it is not their place. What it boils down to is this, shut up and give us the money and go away. That's it. We'll take care of it. We'll handle it. We have the capacity to do that. We have the ability to do that. We have the brains and brawn to solve our own problems. And for me, that is the big tragedy of non-profitism writ large. Is that it's not for the people they claim to be serving. It's not about them.
0: Can you explain that a little more? Because there is like a whole non-profit industrial complex... There certainly I, is an Austin, yeah, yes. Um, and I never really understood how to like fully explain it. And you being involved, I think it would be good for you to like explain like how that actually works. And how do these nonprofits um, use social justice in the guise of like helping, you know, reduce income inequality to line their pockets? Like, how does that actually work? Well,
1: so, to like the average layman, like how it, does that? It, it, its ultimate function is to legitimate an unjust system of exploitation. Okay it is understood that neoliberal economic policies pr- produce and deepen misery, okay, worsen inequality, the consequences of this. This is the fundamental difference between a liberal and a conservative in terms of politics. A conservative basically is like, fuck the poor, okay, they're poor, it's probably their fault, fuck em. okay. A liberal is like, okay, yeah, fuck them, but you know, we got to do something about it. They acknowledge that the problem exists. And the place that they, over time, have looked to try to do something about it, okay, is not via government, which is what a traditional liberal would do, like during the New Deal. Remember, our Constitution says that it is the job of government to promote the general welfare. That would mean, to me, healthcare, education, housing, things like that. It's government's job, not the nonprofit's job. The private sector's job, is to make money. Now neoliberalism is neoliberalism because it acknowledges the traditional liberal notion that inequality is produced by the private sector, but it sets up this nonprofit world to try to address something about it, to do something about it. But all it does is is legitimate an unjust system from the word go, okay. So uh, that's why with nonprofits, when you look at w- what their behavior is uh and when you take a look at how they act, you know they in the housing arena, for instance, in Austin, they don't support communities who want to uh build their own housing, okay because you have to kiss the ring because who's paying for it ultimately, the private sector and the people that they've bought and paid for and have got and have placed in office city councils, yeah okay so that's the role of the nonprofit sector. The nonprofit sector uh, is to legitimate a system that is inherently unjust, okay? There is some diversity there. There are some nonprofits who understand that their job is to work themselves out of a job. Because remember, the idea is, is that charity exists, but it shouldn't be, exist in perpetuity. It should ultimately, you should ultimately- You work
0: yourself out of existence.
1: That's right. Yeah, Work yourself out, but that's not the point anymore. Most of these nonprofits now have adopted a growth mentality that comes from the private sector. Okay, so and now, they need
0: more funding absolutely. to keep going. So it's like let me appeal to the Bezos and the Gates and all go. these stuff. Yeah, yeah, you go.
1: There you go. So nonprofits now believe that they have to grow like a private corporation would.
0: And then the they can only grow if people are more if inequality. The worse inequality gets, the more these nonprofits go. Because oh, look, it's like it's like a big snowball effect. Like we gotta. Um, it's like now, a, we, now we need more money because look how much worse things are. We need more money. It's and more,
1: fundamentally yeah. similar to the prison industrial complex. Okay? We have private prisons, which means, if you think about it, it's a good thing that people are in prison. Think about it. If you privatize prisons, these companies, which are for-profit companies, need, they need people in prison. Yeah. Okay? Now, do, as a, do we as a society think it's a good thing to have 2, 3 million people in prison? Well, if you're I think a reasonable person, you would you would argue that that's probably not a good thing.
0: No, but if you but if you have 10,000 shares of the Geo Group, then you have a different.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if you're if you if you are if you hold if you're a shareholder of a private, you know, prison company, you know, Corrections Corporation of America or or any of these other, you know, corporations, then absolutely you want surveillance. You want a toughening up. You want more customers. You want more people thrown in jail, okay? The defense industry is similar in nature, okay? You want war. The United States is the biggest weapons dealer on Earth, in addition to having the largest prison population on Earth, okay? These things are all connected.
0: How do you feel about the lockdowns? Well... We had a little argument about this a while ago.
1: I, I, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist. Um, You know, a lot of this you have to take on faith. I am an anthropologist. Uh, and an anthropologist who is worth her salt will historicize and internationalize, okay. So let's take a look at other pandemics, the history of other pandemics, the flu pandemic, cholera, malaria, other sorts of things. How were those handled and who was impacted the most? Uh, and then to internationalize, how are they dealing with this in places like Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, Australia, Okay, including, you know, places that the United States has deemed evil. Okay, Australia is not deemed evil. No, but it's a good example of a country uh, that you could use as a frame of reference. Okay, generally speaking, uh, a country like New Zealand, an island country, is seen as one of the better countries to have responded to this pandemic.
0: Taiwan was pretty good, too.
1: Taiwan, another island country, Australia, an island continent. Uh, You know, they got ahead of it. They had progressive public policy, uh, and they are now reaping the rewards. So, sort of, yeah.
0: Um, I know that um, in—I don't think they locked down or did anything in Taiwan, right? Taiwan never had to do any kind of, like, shutdowns. They just had, like, a good contact tracing. They knew about the virus. They, like, had testing. They had they just had their shit in order from the
1: jump. Well, they so have a never... shit ton of public housing, and they have a tradition of mask wearing, and they have health care, okay, and they have an aggressive government. China is the same way. Mainland China, yeah, Hong Kong.
0: But you don't want to be, you don't want to be China.
1: Why not? Because they were look,
0: they were bolting people's doors shut and not letting people leave their homes. I was watching videos of that. People <laughs> are getting social credit score. They're like the biggest polluters uh, on planet Earth. When the virus, when the virus first came out, they were like literally silencing doctors. When the virus came out, they lied to the WHO. Like there's they're like just, a just, laundry, there's a laundry list of like why you. Alex, the li- <laughs> they're just they're just ahead of the
1: curve. I, but They're I, just I, ahead of the I don't want to be ahead that way. Well, you're an American. Yeah. You're an American. <laughs> China is an ancient country. Okay. They, what's funny, <laughs> what's funny is, is that they got the United States to bring all of its manufacturing and money uh, and to, for the United States to, to, you know, indebt itself to China. They basically have gotten everything they wanted. Okay. Uh, and now in the United States, because of our own ineptitude and stupidity, all the Chinese have to do is just sit back, lay back and watch this shit happen. Uh, it's really it's a masterstroke, quite frankly, on the part of uh, the Chinese authorities. I, look, in terms of individual liberties, without question, there are issues in China with human rights and other sorts of things. Make no mistake. The we- yeah, me. yeah. The Uyghurs we- okay. Yeah. The, the United States pretends to have these kinds of liberties. We are now painfully finding out how much bullshit it all was
0: yeah i mean here's what my my take on um this the, the pandemic is right and it's made me um it's pointed out what's amazing and what's horrible about America at the same time and I think that um you know, you watch videos in other countries where people were getting, like, arrested. They were getting their asses beat by police. They were getting fined thousands of dollars with all the mass surveillance because they were, like, past the kilometer of their house or whatever the lockdown laws were. And you see videos like that, and you say, man, I'm really happy, and I'm really blessed that I live in the United States because we – um, don't where, have to deal where, with
1: where, where are we seeing this in- I was watching
0: it like all over social media where right. I was watching I was just throughout the whole pandemic I was watching videos where people and, and reading articles about how people were getting fined like tens of thousands of dollars there was an artic- I read some news article and I'll, I'll try to find it but I was reading articles like in Australia like if you were past a kilometer from your house during the lockdowns you got fined like Thousands of dollars or something like that. So, I mean, well, yeah,
1: that's what it takes. I mean,
0: you know, but I don't, but that, but I'm, but the fact that we didn't do that here kind of made me appreciate
1: living here more. Um, Why? Look at the results hundreds of thousands of people, you know, infected, like 200 plus thousand dead.
0: Yeah, but, but if you also look at the CDC data,
1: just to push back,
0: wasn't it like what 9% or 6% or something of the people who died from this? No, 94% of people who died from this virus or got seriously ill had like severe comorbidities. So I think that ultimately when when you start figuring this out, you You, gotta start pushing for a
1: healthier life. Don't go go down that road. I urge you to not go down that road, okay? It is unethical to do so. Those people did not need to die, okay? And there are real families who've lost loved ones as a result of the stupidity of this government, the ineptitude of this government. Uh, It's a tragedy because it didn't have to happen. And it didn't happen in countries that took this virus seriously from the first and were responsible.
0: So I actually agree with you. um, And I think that if our president were to kind of listen to his um, health experts and paid more attention to what was happening in China in December and January, we would have had testing available in March. We would have had a bunch of PPE. We would have had a plan to stay open while being safe at the same time. That wouldn't
1: have been a plan. There could have been leadership on the part of the federal government. I completely agree with you there, but it is important for you to understand the reason why the primary reason why this country has not been able to respond to this pandemic properly is because we have a healthcare system geared for profits, not for humanity. That's the main reason why everything else is just conversation. This country is not prepared for national scale pandemics of any kind. Look at Katrina. The evidence is overwhelming. Look at, I could cite you a bunch of other examples. We have a system that is not geared to help people, uh, period. It, you know, it's, it's every person for themselves. Uh, and until we fix that, it's, it's just going to be tinkering at the edges. You know, well, let's see what happens with this new president. Uh, I don't think things will fundamentally change because he said things wouldn't well, fundamentally change, especially on this issue.
0: Um, although maybe it's going to be different now that it's all Democrats in the House and the Senate. And maybe because of he, he said this pre-pandemic, too. Well, Hold on, I'm going to put a sweater on. Oh,
1: oh, you're getting cold? Yeah, OK. I yeah, uh, wait, you want me to keep talking? Yeah. OK. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, you know, you do the best you can. I mean, I'm trying to protect my family as best as I can. I think most people um, reasonably are doing the same thing. You know it's difficult to watch um, what's been happening um, and I mean I don't use social media as my guide for information and I don't really pay much attention to mainstream media like CNN or even the New York Times I mean I read some of that stuff but I you know I I always try to as an anthropologist like I said historicize and internationalize so I'll read Frankfurt allgemeine I will read you know Le Monde you know I will read La Prensa, I will read things in multiple languages from most of the world to try to see how they're covering and understanding these things. Because you always have to do that, otherwise you're going to become brainwashed.
0: I I agree with you and I think that when you do these lockdowns and you force people in their house and all they do is watch and all they do is listening to corporate media and going on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, because that's how most people are spending their time,
1: it's literally creating an environment for radicalization. Well, we saw that with this uh, this thing that happened in Washington DC last week. Um, I you know, and that is a complicated situation, but yeah, social media without question stoked those flames. Yeah. I think there's but I don't also, think I don't think anybody could argue otherwise.
0: But it also stoked the flames too when you're telling people that they can't work and you're not offering people just compensation for um having to stay home and not operate their business, like that's kind of a human rights violation when you tell someone that they can't operate their small business without giving them or their business just comp. Like in Europe, when they did shutdowns, they paid the businesses. That's right. You know, you're know, you not paying, if you don't pay small business owners to stay home, what do you expect to happen? That's right. You know, and then like- I agree with you. Completely. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't think we should have closed restaurants. I think that if you're going to have, like, Amazon and Target and all these big retail chains stay open, I think being at a restaurant is probably safer, honestly, than being
1: at a Walmart. You know who did a good job with this? Costco. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm touting Costco. But Costco. <laughs> Costco, okay. man. Costco. A lot, of, a lot of Americans buy stuff at Costco. And Costco, uh, as, as a private corporation, uh, exercised, I think, in an American context. Significant leadership on this pandemic business. You know, they they got their employees on board. Uh, they told their customers what they were going to do. When customers, you know, they had lines. You had to get, you know. I mean, the only thing they aren't doing in most of their locations is testing people when they walk in. But they have gotten religion about sanitizing, about mask wearing, about social distancing, but, and they are enforcing it.
0: Yeah, and, and almost every restaurant in Austin is doing the same thing. Yeah,
1: well... And, I mean, no, they are now. They are. They, they are now. No, you know? even even
0: in the beginning, the first month, there were a few people that weren't behaving very well. But for the most part, a lot of people were um, taking the correct precautions. And I'm not even sure what the actual, like, COVID case rate is in a restaurant where you sit down. And I think that if you just had the bars just – operate as restaurants and you just paid a and you just compensated them accordingly so because you know you're going to lose revenue if you structure your bar like a restaurant and you only do table service you will lose revenue i think if you offer some kind of compensation package to make up for the difference or some kind of tax break like you could have definitely um had people look out for each other we had
1: we had a bill passed we had money put out there who got the fucking money alex was it the people you're talking about no Okay, that's the that's problem. What I'm saying. Like, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah, we did. It, it has nothing to do with following the protocols and shit like that. That's not the issue. You know, The fact is, is that the money that was put out there okay, to assist people was doled out. in a, a bunch of fucking lawyers got it. Law firms got it. Car dealerships. Everybody but the fucking people, you know, who you're talking about, small business people, people who run restaurants and bars, they got fucked.
0: They got fucked, yeah. And so you can't really blame a lot, of pe- a lot of those people for wanting to go to the, the capital. I no. guarantee there's a lot of people who were well, like It's not a servicing- question of blame.
1: They still should have social distanced and done all the things that they should have done, and many of them did. Many of them did not. What I'm trying to tell you is, is don't be angry about the protocols. Those protocols are public health official, you know, certified. They're the things we should be doing at a minimum. Okay, so so all that shit that they're talking about. Okay, be angry about the fact that the government of this country is fucked in the head. It can't do vaccinations right. It can't do anything right. It's fucking it up. Even, you know, if you're an anti-vaxxer now, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but you'd be a fool, okay, to not be aware and see. Now we have an environment where people who are even anti-vaxxers are like, "Yeah, I need the vaccine." What? The fucking government can't even no, do that wait, shit. No, I'm not right. say,
0: Are you gonna get the COVID vaccine? Not yet. But you, do you have like health, any health stuff where you're like predisposed to getting sick? Nothing, like,
1: nothing major. I mean, nothing that would cause me to not get the vaccine or to uh, have my family yeah, take the vaccine. Yeah,
0: because I, offered to wear a mask. I was like, I literally was like, "Hey, man, I'll wear a mask if you want." You know what I mean? Like I, had, like I said, I'll wear a mask. You know, I, I like offered to do it out of consideration. And it's stuff.
1: consequences and accountability. The anti-vaxxers are not wrong. Many, some of them, who have this point of view, in pointing out that in a healthcare system for profit, where we have vaccine schedules that have 22, 24 vaccines on them, okay, where this shit is being done because some pharmaceutical company wants to make more money, that those are, and, and that they're able to do this shit without any accountability whatsoever for the consequences that that's a problem yeah exactly no you're right
0: i'm glad you said that because that's how i feel and i think that when i say stuff like that people will label me as someone who's like an anti-vaxxer so i'm glad that you brought that up notice
1: that that's not a scientific argument you're not arguing the efficacy of the vaccine or whether you should take it what we're talking about again is the you know the delivery mechanism corruption lack of accountability lack of proper study of the consequences these are you know you can't get around this. It's an iron cage that these people can't get out of. Because the only answer, if you're honest about it, is to go in a different direction. A more progressive political direction.
0: You know that you can't sue uh, a vaccine manufacturer if, like, you get an injury from a vaccine?
1: Oh, I mean, you have the vaccine court and shit like that, you know. But, um, you know, these are problems that they're going to have. I mean, and th- this is something that is going to have to be addressed. I mean, I don't know... It's a it's a huge discussion that we probably can't have now, but, you know, it all leads back to the same place. When I said all this shit is connected, all, just follow the money, follow the money and you know, it will reveal all <laughs> really is what it, is What the bottom line is, you have to remove the element of profit and money from basic human rights.
0: Yo, OK, but and I agree. But then a lot of these like fake progressive DSA people, especially like, specifically in Austin, well, not specifically, but just in Austin because we're in Austin. They're like it seems like they were the ones that were pushing the hardest for like people to stay home without any like regard for small businesses or service industry people and they seem like they're the ones who are like pushing the hardest for mandatory vaccinations and stuff.
1: And and I you know and I have a problem with that as well. You you know they too are enmeshed in this thinking of not properly analyzing consequences. When you uh sort of self-righteously declare that everybody should do X y or z without a proper assessment of the consequences in this case economic consequences psychological consequences and so forth and so on uh, you know that too isn't correct you know um, DSA is supposed to be progressive they're supposed to uh, you know believe in uh, socialism it's in their name Uh, but the Austin chapter in particular isn't they are in bed with big real estate in this town Uh, I know because I have worked with these people I was a member of DSA I've you know dabble I dabbled with DSA years ago decades ago as well as with the new party a party that briefly existed in New York and uh, worked with uh, and did New York style fusion politics Uh, many of those people now are part of the working families party which exists in New York so I'm not somebody who's new to these types of progressive politics. Um, I think DSA. You know, most people should have just kind of soberly assess the situation. Uh, you know, and a lot of people are voting with their feet now in a city like Austin, which is a relatively youthful city, people are just doing what they do, you know, um, and we've sort of entered in, into this, this pandemic behavior by default which isn't necessarily the way I would have wanted it to happen. But nonetheless, it's, it's the way it is, you know. Um, the whole thing has just been mismanaged from the word go. I think, uh, uh, you know, Trump in particular could have set a national tone that was calm. You know, it would have been good for this, I think, actually, in, in an interesting way because he was a competent neoliberal, I say this as both criticism and praise, is Barack Obama, you know, no drama Obama. You know, he would have gone in there. He would have maintained calm. He would have been like, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. We're going to help people. We're going to do this. You know, and people would have responded.
0: Yeah, I, I think he has a better style of leadership maybe. But also, you know, I, I read a Wall Street Journal article about how the Obama administration completely fucked up the whole swine flu thing. And the only reason things didn't get catastrophically bad is because of luck.
1: Mm. Uh, I didn't read that. And, you know, the Wall Street Journal... Uh, you know, isn't a friend of Mr. Obama's. I'm, I'm sure they have their own, you know, there are, you know, there are limitations, you know, the fact that we have a system of for-profit healthcare would have made Obama uh, also made it, would have made it very difficult for him to do things. I'm speaking here in, tem- in terms of temper and tone. Okay. I think a lot of lives would have been saved by that type of leadership. But ultimately i still would have harbored the same critique the same criticism that i have of mr trump and these other people which is that we need to get rid of our system of for-profit health care and replace it with something that is robust and that can handle national pandemics because they clearly are going to happen again and we should be learning lessons from what we're experiencing yeah. now well the problem is is that everybody's in panic mode they're walking they're running around like chickens and that, you know, that's not going to fix. That's not yeah. good.
0: And, you know, when our mayor, when our mayor is taking a private jet to Cabo in the middle of this while he's telling people to stay home, <laughs> shutting down small businesses. <laughs> and you're literally taking a private jet, which is like one of the <laughs> biggest exacerbators of climate change. And you're in a pandemic. It's like, you know, when, and, and then when like Gavin Newsom is showing up maskless at a restaurant, telling people to stay home, it's like you're making the, these people are making the problem a lot worse when they do stuff like
1: that. Yeah. I, 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 I yeah. mean, it's the truth. They, like you're making it have, a lot worse. There's nothing I can say. I mean, there's no there's no need for me to comment about that. I mean, a lot of people have commented about it. I, it is, yeah. I, you know, but I mean, if you sort of harbor the sentiments that I've previously expressed about how rich people behave and how they, you know, how they how they think, this isn't going to come out as a surprise to you, okay? Well,
0: not all rich people but the rich people that do it it gets publicized, you know what I mean, so it's
1: just... Rich people will be rich people. When the shit hits the fan, even people who are rich, who you think are your friends, trust me, they're gonna act like rich people, okay? Uh, It's just the way it is, Uh, you know. The answer is to, again, bring people together. Um, You know, have a society that's more humane and just, you know? It isn't ethical, Uh, it isn't moral, for these disproportionalities uh to exist where you know a few get to have so much at the expense of the many um you know people have a right to life people have a right to a a certain quality of life uh at the municipal level that's the function of municipal government to ensure uh a minimum quality of life for all people you know we don't have a city like that in this city anymore
0: and 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 another thing too man is that like it sounds really callous to say this, but like this pandemic was like, at least right now, it, this has like literally been the biggest money-making opportunity of our lifetimes if we knew what to do. You know, like in, if you were buying stock and you were buying like Bitcoin and you were buying things in like March, Feb, in March and like early April, you'd be like, you could literally have completely reversed your position in life if you did that.
1: Oh, without question. I mean, the stock market has gone through the roof, through the for, roof. All, for all kinds of reasons. I mean, Bitcoin, I mean, it's hard to fuck up even Bitcoin, which, you know, is cryptocurrency. It doesn't really exist. You can't go to Seven Eleven and buy shit with Bitcoin. But you can
0: buy at certain, like, Central Texas Gunworks in certain areas. You yeah, can, but that's,
1: like, fringe shit. Nobody, you know, there's... You know, and I think know. that with the way, um,
0: you know, certain bank accounts are starting, like, the, with the whole cancel culture and the fact that, like, social media and, like, certain, like, are canceling certain um, people for thinking differently and, like, the fact that, like, you know, Parler and, like, certain other alternative platforms aren't being used on, like, certain web... Like, Amazon's not allowing um, the, the website, to, like, you know, or Google isn't allowing people to host like, um, parlor or the fact that like certain bank, certain people aren't allowed, like certain bank accounts are refusing to like accept transactions from certain people with certain viewpoints. Like eventually you, you might start seeing cryptocurrency as an alternative way for certain people on no. that.
1: I'll start believing in cryptocurrency when you can buy a twelve pack and scratch tickets at the fucking local 7-Eleven. you Eleven. You're gonna see that soon with the way we're, we'll the way we're printing money we'll and see. all
0: the QE that we're doing. Like we'll see, you could actually see um, a new form of cryptocurrency possibly happening. What about the great? Have you heard about the Great Reset? No, what's that? It's a World Economic Forum. They did a whole um, thing about how COVID 19 is exacerbating all the inequal like the social and economic oh, right, inequalities right, 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 right. and we need to reset. And it's just like a bunch of like these neoliberal billionaires talking about how they need to do things that are like for the benefit of society. You know, and it's gotten a lot of like a lot of pushback. It's gotten a lot of like pushback. And it's just like you listen to Alex Jones and all these people are like this is just hey, this is this is the new world, this is the new this is literally the, the blueprint for the new world order. And <laughs> That shit's hilarious. I mean, but it, it's not Alex like Alex Jones <laughs> is
1: a fucking millionaire. What the fuck is he? Got actually, to Actually,
0: you know, it's funny because I know people who work for for them and stuff like that, and I've had a few people from Infowars like uh-huh. on the pedicab. Uh-huh. So Infowars is actually like
1: they're a small business, and oh, please. no, they are. They, 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 they break. Okay, but I remember when Alex Jones was just a fucking local cable access assless wonder? He, he, Alex has no ass. I will say, you know, he's like this fucking tall. He has no ass, literally. I mean, it's it's really oh, never mind. I don't no, want to no, go no, off. share you feel like No, no. I, I like oh, <laughs> I I like
0: the guy. I've had I've I've met him a couple of times. I've had positive interactions with him. You know his, that dad's games, a, his dad's a good dentist? I heard that his dad's a dentist. I had um John Van and Harrison Smith come talk to me and those were good conversations. They were like reasonable nice people and they like um listened to me and you know offered their like viewpoints on a lot of things. Um, but what I'm trying to say though about the whole reset is that um because of who is in the world economic forum and because of what they were talking about and because of like how stressed everybody is as a result of the pandemic and the fact that nobody knows what's gonna happen moving forward. Um, it's really easy for like any conspiracy theorists to say, look, this is a new world order. You know, they're giving us RFID chips. There's gonna be mass surveillance. Like this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep us all poor, clustered in a bunch of mega cities. And then I was watching like economics explain and reading about it and it's just, the World Economic Forum has, like, no real power. It's just a bunch of woke billionaires gathering together, you know, <laughs> discussing things with no real,
1: like... Dude, just stay away. <laughs> nobody even knows where the fuck Davos is, okay? It's in Switzerland. Yeah, well, yeah, you do, okay? But, you know, it, it's, like, it's like that fucking town in Syria that nobody knew or that, that, that town in fucking, you know, Libya that people, you know, that uh, conservatives were bitching about when Hillary ran for president. Just, that shit's just all fucking vapor. It doesn't mean a fucking thing. Just ignore that shit. It's just talk.
0: But what we're seeing, though, with this pandemic is that you're starting to see a lot of extremely wealthy people. Like I, You're starting to see the problem with runaway capitalism. And, and a lot of conservatives who didn't really understand that are starting to see the problems with runaway capitalism. When you see a guy like Bill Gates, a computer nerd with no medical degree, dictating the discourse of public health because he's bought out the who. And he <laughs> gives so much money to, like, all these news organizations. And he has a bunch of money invested in all these vaccines you know globally and I'm not trying to like spat out Bill Gates conspiracies but you know when a guy like Bill Gates when a computer nerd who's the CEO of a, a you know a, a tech company is the one being the arbiter of public health and when the experts well, like Dr. Well, Fauci are on well, the board not, of his foundation it's not a
1: tech company I mean the Gates Foundation is a completely no, separate no but Microsoft was so that's what well, it yeah that's how he made his money but you know he's no longer you know he, his, his affiliation with Microsoft at this point is is very limited he's dedicated his billions to uh to philanthropy that's that's his that's his job title his job description. So philanthropy. philanthropy okay look I, I don't want to uh, take a look at what the Gates Foundation has funded in Africa, what it has funded in india, places like that and that'll tell you everything you need to know okay i mean it's It's we talked about the nonprofit industrial complex earlier at the international level they're called NGOs non-governmental organizations and the principle is pretty much exactly the same none of this threatens the hegemony of international capital it does not threaten Wall Street it which runs shit JP Morgan Chase Goldman Sachs that's who runs shit okay Uh, you know these people are you know, they're oligarchs. You know, the bottom line is, is that the people need to come for their fucking money. It's it. It's as simple as that. There is no shortage of money in this world. It's maldistributed. Okay? Why should an Indian farmer... And India has a lot of farming. Okay? All of a sudden, because of some asshole uh, president, Modi, who is a neoliberal, and you know, uses a conservative version of identity politics, Hindu nationalism... To push through neoliberal policies that benefit multinational corporations. Uh, Why should the Gates Foundation be supporting this type of shit? You know, you know the the food revolution, the the agricultural revolution that Norman Borlaug brought to India. Okay, has has been he he was a Texas A&M based agricultural scientist who created a bunch of super crops designed to solve hunger. Remember, this is the 50s and the 60s, okay, a different era, okay, and he created these super crops whereby traditional Indian farmers had to give up their land, and these crops were planted, which increased yields by a factor of 10, multiples of 10, even, okay, creating more in the minds of the conventional wisdom at the time, prosperity than ever. Borlaug is from the Midwest, you know, farmer, American, you know, breadbasket type shit. He exported an American mentality into India, okay? The problem is is that it has created a tremendous amount of misery for Indians, but has made a lot of money for the Indian elite and multinational corporations. Um, This is the type of shit that we're talking about, you know? This is the type of stuff that I'm saying when I say it's all connected, you know? You have to identify the enemy. You have to know what it is you're fighting for and what you're fighting against uh and uh y- you can't lose sight of that um i don't want to get preachy so i'll just show no up take sure a, please take, take a toke no no, no, no. no
0: i I, uh, I brought you so that you can be preachy and share how you feel
1: well that's pretty much how i feel you know in africa okay we now have uh similar phenomena happening i remember a lot this world was created uh, through colonialism and imperialism okay Uh, settler colonial societies in countries like the United States Australia uh, Israel you know and then you're talking about the so-called third world which is what we're talking about now which is where a lot of the raw materials are a good example for instance that is now local is Tesla Tesla needs a lot of lithium for its batteries Where are some of the largest lithium deposits in the world? In Africa. In Africa and in Bolivia. Okay. Yeah. Uh, What do you think that corporation in conjunction with the government of the United States has been doing in those places and to those governments?
0: You're using slave labor to, to to make the batteries and get the resources. This
1: is fundamentally not that different from 19th century colonial practice, right? The kind of shit that Gandhi fought against right? Uh, The raw materials, the labor, cheap labor, and other sorts of things. What makes China different is that the Chinese said, you know, yeah, we're going to do that shit too, but it's going to be us in charge, and you're going to pay us first. Not even a finder's fee, you know? And there has been a a general increase in living standards in China. A lot of this is discussed in a book uh, that I recommend for you and your viewers and listeners, uh, a, a a gentleman named Jason Hickel, who is an anthropologist uh, in, uh, in the UK, who wrote a book called The Divide and you know he is big on what he calls degrowth. This, this mentality, this philosophy that basically says that we cannot continue to be exploit ourselves, each other, and especially nature ad infinitum. That there is in fact a top, okay. We do not have the capacity to exploit other planets not in any way that makes sense for most of the human race and for the planet we have to and we haven't even explored much of this planet I mean most of this planet is deep ocean
0: and okay. most of this country is open space yeah
1: so you know we have to uh, come to an understanding that we're in a relationship with each other and that inequality is essentially the slavery of our time and the 19th century in the United States we had that issue that ultimately culminated in a civil war. It became an irreconcilable iron cage. And that's where we're going with inequality.
0: I think we're definitely heading towards something um, of that magnitude. I agree. Um, But I think it's being perpetuated and exacerbated by uh, corporate media. And there are a lot of very powerful, rich oligarchs who um, dictate the narrative that's being said in corporate media.
1: Oh, I completely agree there. They, you know... (laughs) You know, Roger Ailes uh, understood the power of conflict, but CNN and others did too. It's going to be very interesting to see how they behave in a post-Trump era. It, like Twitter, for instance, what is Twitter going to do without having Donald Trump's tweets?
0: They lost a lot of their their stock price went down a lot. Yeah,
1: you know, Donald Trump. Uh, was sort of this boogeyman of the boutique liberals, you know, the identity politics liberals who love to hate the actual left, okay? Uh, and they're already placing pressure. I mean, they're basically like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, you got to shut shit down because it's hurting the people. You know, it's like, what the fuck? You know, why are you not regulating this shit? You know, they should be, re- they should be, Twitter and all social media should be run like public utilities. They should be run democratically. So, how
0: do you feel about Section 230 then?
1: Section two thirty. Yeah,
0: like the Constitution. Like I, I don't really know too much about it, but like Trump and like a lot of people were saying, hey, repeal Section two thirty, which basically makes it so that the um, the tech companies have to act like public like they have to be publishers or
1: something like that. They should be public yeah. utilities, not just pub- okay, not just public, not just publishers. You know, I'm a big fan of much of the New Deal. And this was discussed during the New Deal. Of uh, you know, look, we've had so much consolidation when six companies control everything. That's fucking crazy.
0: That's crazy, we should yeah. have
1: We should have thousands of places and ways. Like, for instance, what you're doing here, okay? But you don't really have the ability to get your shit out there in a way that even comes close to matching the power of CBS, NBC, or CNN, okay? Or even Fox or Sinclair, okay? It's not even close. Alex Jones, to the extent that you're talking, you know, he's a small businessman who's independent. I respect that, okay. But even if he's even if he's completely batshit, which I think he is, okay, uh, I respect his freedom and ability to do what he's doing. But he does not have the right to spew bullshit and to confuse people. Okay, uh, there are standards. Okay, so it is yeah, wrong. But-
0: yeah, okay, but there's also stuff that he said that he's been right about. Like, um, he talked about 9/11 2 months before 9/11 happened. And he's he g- in 2001, he was talking about Jeffrey Epstein um like 15 20 years ago. Um he talked about um co- he talked about he was talking about COVID and how COVID was going to like spread uncontrollably and, you know, uh, really fuck us up, and it was going to be used as a way to like decimate the economy and um, create massive civil unrest. And he was talking
1: about that in like January. Well, the stuff that I liked about him was when he was infiltrating the Bohemian Grove. Yeah. <laughs> when he was going out into the tall trees in Northern California with a gorilla camera and actually proving th- this shit is real. These yeah. motherfuckers actually act like this. This crazy ass shit. You know, people in the hood. You know, be like, you know, nah. They're not like you're know, getting naked around a fucking campfire. Oh, no, they're doing t- it. Taking fucking skulls and shit from cemeteries and like <laughs> putting them on a pedestal and going ooh ooh But they are, man. They're actually doing this shit, which is crazy to me. I mean, you know, you may be like at home or on a corner or something, you know, you know, you know, drinking a forty or some shit, and you know these motherfuckers are like taking that shit to a whole different level. I mean, I like that aspect of Alex Jones. This shit that he's been doing, selling these fake-ass vitamins and all this crazy-ass shit he's been doing lately, and his love affair with Trump. I mean, come on, man. That's a bunch of bullshit. Nobody in their right mind can support that goddamn nonsense. Well, um, I started
0: listening to him in, like, the early-mid-2000s when he was criticizing George Bush. Oh, George Bush deserves criticism. Yeah, like, I like that. He's worse than Trump. Way worse. But that's, like... He's 100% infinitely worse than Trump But then, And then with, with how like, Donald Trump Did his campaign against Biden He was calling him like a radical leftist And a socialist and everything like that And it was just the <laughs> stupidest fucking It was the stupidest um, thing that you could do Because Joe Biden was literally a blue book. He was a Democrat He was George Bush in a blue tie And if he had just told people that Joe Biden is George Bush in a blue tie A lot of these Republicans who voted for Trump Voted for Trump because they hated George Look, Bush Look,
1: Joe Biden at an international level if he were if we were speaking here of peer countries of the united states like countries most of the countries in the OECD the uk france germany joe biden would be a fucking right wing zealot that's who he would be okay this idea that he's a socialist is laughable on its face okay and donald trump is not the brightest guy you know he said this shit but in a, the problem is, is that people we don't have enough critical thinking at an individual level, uh, and then we have the media amplifying this nonsense that Trump is saying. Okay, and then people wonder why shit like last week happened. Okay, that's the problem. The media itself is making so much money, hand over fist, off of Donald Trump. They decided to abdicate what they consider to be their responsibility.
0: So, do you think that any like kind of voter? Do you think voter fraud um, occurred at all?
1: Voter fraud. It's like a shark attack. That's how fucking rare it is. Okay. You think so? Yes. I don't just think so. That's what the data
0: shows. Okay, but what about the the fact that we're using the same like Dominion and Smartmatic voting systems that we've been that we use in like Venezuela, the
1: Philippines, and all these other countries that don't necessarily. Why do we? Okay. First of all, voting is fucked up in the United States all over the place, all over the fucking place. First of all, we don't even have a national right to voting. Did you know that? Explain. There is no right to vote in the Constitution of the United States. You don't have a right to vote. Did you know that? Show me where in the Constitution it says you have a right to vote. Do we have a right to education in our Constitution? It's not there either, you're not gonna find it. Think about that for a second. Most modern constitutions have those rights in there. The Soviet Constitution had that shit in it. And they were the enemy. The Soviet Constitution also had non-discrimination clauses. It was a federal offense under the Soviet Union system. To be a racist, a federal offense, explicitly. Okay, we don't have these things in the United States. Our elections are a fucking circus. Why the fuck do we have national elections that take a year plus and cost a billion plus dollars? That is insanity. In the UK, elections are much more civilized. They don't aren't run in this crazy ass fashion. It's well, look at the Prime Minister of the UK. Is well, right look now. At, yeah, okay. Let's set him aside, fucking idiot, okay? All right? But, you know, but, you know our entire system is, is completely busted from the word go, okay? We should nationalize our elections. We should establish a national standard for national elections. Government should run the entire fucking thing from front to back. That is the assurance we require that our election system will be free and fair, we should abolish the electoral college and other stupid shit like that. I don't like know that. about
0: that though, because the electoral college gives like smaller states and um, sm- smaller states and other less populated states more of a voice, and people in urban area- and people in urban areas have a different um, concerns than people in rural areas. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, no, I mean I, I really, I actually, I, I, I I'm serious about that. How the that, fuck yeah. can you defend something like the
1: goddamn electoral college? The fu- and a goddamn archaic bunch of bullshit that a bunch of white men instituted to okay. appease the fucking slave hold states. Hold on, let me, let me explain. the what fuck is wrong on, with
0: you? Let me explain my perspective on this. And it's because when a bunch of like, when, when you overly crowd cities, you'll have a bunch of like corporate Democrats and like ne, like ultra neoliberal oligarchs that will, you know, u, utilize progressive policies and dictate these like neoliberal platitudes to get um, people to vote against their own self-interest. And you look at what happened in Austin with like the whole Prop J thing and the whole like don't Trump Austin and all that stuff mm-hmm. um, a, on a smaller scale. Um, and it, you you could start, You, you'll, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Like you're going to get a group of people.
1: You'll, you, you'll be creating a system where like one. We will have a system where people who fucking vote, their votes their will vote, be counted. Man, vote, vote That's be- fucking right. That's what we're going to have. We have fucking president now who hasn't, who didn't win the popular vote in 2016 he and 2020, win, he popular, yeah. and he's appointed a huge chunk of the federal judiciary. What the fuck? Do you believe in democracy or not? Stop cock blocking democracy. Okay, we should get rid of that fucking archaic system, and we should nationalize shit. Okay, we should establish a guarantee with an affirmative amendment to the Constitution to free, fair elections, one person, one vote. Okay, fucking v- Wyoming is a fucking speck. Nobody fucking lives they, there. They have more electoral votes per person. They, yeah, they have yeah. two senators. Don't even get me started on the Senate. There's, why do they have fucking two senators? A co- fucking Travis County has more fucking people than Wyoming. I mean, come on. Give me a break. Come on. You know,
0: but, it, then, but but like a lot of people in these areas, I'm just pushing back, man. A lot of people in those areas already feel like marginalized and like they're not being listened to and they're like being completely discounted. And I feel like you start doing shit like that, it'll just create more of this type of extremism that we're dealing with.
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, if we do some of the things that I've advocated in our conversation, okay, uh, I'm 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 certainly a believer in our federal system of governance in other areas. Okay, uh, we need to democratize our political economy. Okay, and we need to make sure that rural people who live in rural areas are taken care of and other sorts of things. But we've completely romanticized places like this who the fuck grows our food is it a small family farmer or rancher in wyoming no it's fucking agribusiness
0: you know bill gates fucking
1: owns food lots and feed lots and shit Bill
0: gates owns two hundred forty thousand acres of uh, well these yeah.
1: motherfuckers have their own private ranches where they grow their own grass-fed and grass-finished beef and buffalo and shit
0: and then everyone else gets gmos and all that,
1: like that. that's right and maybe some of it he'll serve to his friends and shit ted turner and his fucking montana ranch does the same goddamn thing you know it all comes back to the same place: inequality. Okay, if we make our society more equal, then you, you know we're not going to have these sort of hypothetical issues that you're talking about. The framers of the Constitution were concerned about making sure that smaller states, uh, well, that's not true. They they really did establish the Electoral College to minimize democracy and the ability of certain people to be able to you know run the government, uh, but. They did uh, create a, an upper chamber of, of Congress whereby each state would have two people. Both of those things, the Senate and the Electoral College, is where a lot of the contention lies, where a lot of the problems are. Uh, we need reforms in those areas. Sure, but
0: we should be doing, like, like, the reforms that you're talking about need to be done first before we start abolishing the Electoral
1: College. Or no, before we- Electoral College needs to be fucking chopped up with a goddamn meat cleaver, okay? It needs to go away, full stop. It needs to completely be abolished. We need to have free, fair, national elections. None of these fucking private actors, no fucking individual states running shit. Your state elections, your local elections, have at it. Fucking do whatever the hell you want. National elections for national office should be run in a national, free, and fair way. Hey, what do you think about what happened with the council races before we uh, wrap up? Which
0: ones? Uh, well, D6 specifically, but we're gonna we'll talk about the other ones. Well,
1: I'm glad I'm glad Jimmy Flanagan's gone. Oh my God, <laughs> that guy's a piece of work. Uh, you know, just I mean, he he's the kind of guy you know who literally would you know suck his own dick if he could. That's how much he loves himself. Okay, I mean you know I mean he's just. I'm glad he's gone. I hope he stays out of politics. I hope he stays out of public life. Isn't he like the now the new CEO of like the Austin Convention Center or something? Uh, some sh- like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he he can, you know, he continues to live off the taxpayer dole because he knows he can't make it as a private businessman. He's a fraud. He was a fraud from the word go. And that's actually true with a lot of these swamp creatures in City Hall. Many of them are frauds. You know, if you took a if you like looked beneath the hood you would see there isn't a whole lot there. Okay? I think Leslie
0: Poole's good. Oh yeah, I like Leslie. Leslie Pool's good. She led the lawsuit about the Permian pipeline.
1: Well, um, I mean, you know, I think you know there, we have good people in our city council. I think Alter's he, okay. It's Alter's, just it's just Flanagan wasn't. Yeah, one of them.
0: I think Alison Alter, like a lot of these like conservatives that I'm like friends with and follow that like me on Twitter, are starting to not like Alter. But I think Alter's actually like has integrity and decency, and she does her best. Yes. Um, I think uh yeah, I think that's Mackenzie. I think Mackenzie's pretty cool. Like, I, She's I like better Mackenzie. than Flanagan. Yeah. I mean, Mackenzie, when I talk to her, she'll respond to my text messages. Absolutely. And she, she, was, she actually went on my pedicab and talked to me, and that's pretty cool for somebody who was running for city council at the time when I was episode eight She's to come the, and talk. When yeah. it comes
1: to public service and constituent service, she is the anti-Pio. Literally, Pio Renteria only talks to people that he likes. Yeah. That, that's the kind of bubble. He's like a hack. He reminds me of a Chicago Daily Machine Democratic Party hack. That is exactly the job description he fits. That's why he has that position. That's why so much real estate development is targeted towards his district. I mean, it's sad. It's profoundly sad when you compare the needs of that district with the leadership that they have in city hall. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty it's, bad. You know, he, uh, you know, and it's unfortunate. It, it didn't have to be that way, but you know, that's it what,
0: is. It, it is what it is. Um. But, and that's another thing, with, too, with, like, with uh, Flanagan. is that like he had a card carrying Marxist who was managing his campaign. And what, was like, really? like, yeah, Jacob Ronowitz was like a full blown, like, DSA. Yeah, Jacob Ronowitz I don't, I don't, a full blown, like, communist Marxist. Was he? Yeah. Well, how do you know that? I don't Cause know. Because I that. know him. I've hung out with him before. I wasn't that, like, there
1: was like the. Well, just sp- because you're a member of DSA doesn't mean. No, because on his
0: Twitter profile, it says vulgar Marxist on his Twitter bio. Vul-
1: well, a vulgar Marxist, just to be fair, a vulgar Marxist is somebody who has their own particular interpretation of Marx that deviates from <laughs> orthodoxy, okay? Uh, <laughs> They're actually a Marxist thought as a definition of vulgar Marxism. Look it up. You, uh, I'm sure you can find it on Wikipedia. Sure,
0: I'd love to. that that'll be my homework for today yeah. is to yeah. find out. Right. But either way, you had like someone who openly identified themselves as a communist, supporting like the, one of the most corporate neoliberal developer-friendly candidates in the city of Austin. And it was, it was just like, you know, if somebody who was like a full-blown card-carrying like communist or socialist was working on your campaign, it's like consistent, right? But like, well, to, no, no, cause no? I'm not a communist. Okay. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm mm-hmm. not a goddamn God. I, <laughs> the fuck? Don't be, throwing, <laughs> don't be putting words in my mouth. I, fuck that. No. I, no, no, no,
1: no, no, I am not a communist. Okay. I am a uh, Willy Brandt social Democrat. Okay. A Rexford Tugwell social Democrat. Look these names up. Okay. Okay. Both of these men were not communists. Okay. They were accused of being communists. Like Rexford Tugwell, a New Deal official and a member of Roosevelt's brains trust, was called Rex the Red. That's what that was his nickname. The corporate media anointed him with that name, but that's not what he was about.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, good to know. I'm glad that I'm glad to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess before we wrap up, what do you think about the D two stuff? What happened with District two, and how do you feel about Vanessa Fuentes? Well, in? you
1: know, I met with Vanessa um you know i think she'll be better than delia garza i think you know i'm looking for it because i mean delia garza to me is part of this establishing yeah the, this, the slush you know so let's see how she does i mean it it's it, that district has significant challenges that are similar to district three uh i certainly hope that we'll work we'll be able to work together on some things you know um and, uh, you know, let's see how this uh, 2021 goes. Her,
0: her like, staff, I, you know, her staff was actually a lot cooler than I thought that they were going to be mm. when I first, like, you know, like, her really? husband was really cool. Like, I had one of her, like, um, volunteers who was, like, a pretty, um, pretty influential business person, like, in Cedar Park or whatever, mm. um, come talk to me. And she was, like, one of the nicest people ever. Mm. So, like, I actually am pretty surprised. And I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that David got wrecked also.
1: Well, that was a surprise. Like that, was, <laughs> that guy I, got I, I, I was, wrecked. I, I was surprised by that. I, you know, I, I mean, P.O. said he was going to hire him back. I don't know if he's done that. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't tu- tune in to anything P.O. ish because well, he doesn't give a shit, so it, I don't give a shit. It also shows that like he sold
0: PO sold people everybody up the river and they knew and they were like, I'm not voting for this motherfucker.
1: Well, you know, Chin Chin Chan is you know, so it was so transparent that he was an opportunist. An empty suit? You know, he, he kind of reminded me of Greg Kassar in that way. Uh, you know, sort of an, a less intelligent version of Greg Kassar. Uh, that is not what our districts require. They require people who have bona fide leadership skills, uh, you know, who, who work for the people. You know what I mean? And by that I mean not just the rich, not just real estate developers, but for that single mom who cleans hotel rooms, okay? Uh, and is wondering how she's going to be able to put food on the table. Uh, That's who these people should be serving, okay? Uh, But they don't, and it's sad. Yeah,
0: I agree. I honestly thought that it was going to go to a runoff with uh, Casey and uh, Vanessa. I was actually thinking that
1: that was... You know, I'd hoped Casey would do better. You know, I was on the board of Community Not Commodity with Casey. Yeah, you wrote the People's Plan. Both of y'all did that, yeah. Yeah, we did, and, you know, he, he participated in that, and... I like Casey. I like him a lot. I hope he stays in public life. I, I think he needs to serve on a few boards and commissions, learn how City Hall, you know, learn the basics of public policy, have the capacity to have intelligent conversations about public policy. Uh, you know, it, it, it's one thing to have feelings and opinions, you know, but in order to exercise public judgment, you also have to have a demonstrated record of public responsibility, of discharging that type of responsibility and what it means as a former naval officer uh I'm, i feel like i i had that that's what i articulated when i ran for the council i was rejected but that's fine you know i mean i've got a lot of things going on that are way beyond this city yeah. at an international level so for me it's like okay great uh but you know he's from here you know he's retired from the game you know no more uh no more pugilism for him. Yeah, you know, so that's good. Now we can, and you know, he's a very for a boxer in particular. He's very educated.
0: Well, and he also a really good boxer. I was watching some of his fights on YouTube. Like on YouTube, and I was yes. like, holy shit, this guy's really. This guy well, could have been like. Um, well,
1: Bob Arum, you know, when you're fighting on
0: you know, Showtime and stuff, yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, that's serious. You know, yeah, that's that's pretty serious. So, and we have a tradition of that, interestingly enough. Yeah, James Kirkland, like they've had a lot of really James good fighters. Kirk, his trainer, out of that. who is one of the greatest, and Wolf, and Wolf yeah. was one of the greatest boxers, male or female. Most devastating right hand I've ever seen. Oh my God! I mean, she's she, she, like she, she, you know, she had you know much respect for Ann Wolfe. Much yeah.
0: respect. Yeah. Um. All
1: right, I think we're about
0: to wrap up. We've been here probably over an hour. Um, Fred, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it.
1: Uh, how could we get a hold of you?
0: Thank you, my man. Of course. Boom. We're elbow bumping. We've got to be safe from this <laughs> go pandemic. To Fred,
1: go to fredmcgee.com. Uh, go to montopolis.org. Or just put my name into Google, all kinds of, or any, well, use DuckDuckGo because Google tracks you. Uh, Or some other, you know, non-tracking search site, and you'll see my stuff come up. I've been around long enough, done enough stuff. Mackenzie says hi. By the way, I just got a message from her. You see, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, she even responds. See, look, she responds to my proof <laughs> that she responds. To <laughs> my is my she ten- watching too. right now? McK- yeah, she's like, is she really smoking? cigar? So I guess she is watching. Yeah, so Ryan right, McKenzie, that's right. So we're saying we're glad <laughs> we're glad you got the W. I, th- I think I think she's going I think the um,
1: people are gonna be listened to a lot more in City Hall now that everything is. I hope so. I hope so. I think you know. I told her that I thought Don Zimmerman. I didn't agree with him politically at all. I did appreciate though his willingness to. Uh, buck the conventional wisdom and to ask actual why questions yeah. of the city staff yeah we
0: needed sending voices it was like it's, without question it was just a big circle jerk like the past two years so it's, absolutely yeah, it's a good thing that we got I, to sending I, voices and we, I think we that
1: need to you know we have under our current council manager system essentially palace eunuchs there's advantages to having a professional staff you know led by a city manager but there are also disadvantages okay the problem is is that you have what you just described as a circle jerk you have groupthink. yeah okay And we need to break that groupthink if we're going to make progress as a city.
0: And that strong mayor thing is a bunch of bullshit too, because it's just going to make it so that these developers (sighs) control one person. But anyway, Fred, thank you so much for coming on. All right, (laughs) (laughs) we'll leave it there. All right, man. Sounds good.
1: (laughs) Thanks for watching.